0: Well, good morning. Man, it is fantastic to have you here today. I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, this, we're still in our, our soft launch. You know that. Uh, we're about, this is our third week open here. And uh, if by chance you snuck in and you're new, uh, because we really hadn't announced that we're open, uh, we're really glad you're here, actually. Uh, but you've got to give us some grace as we figure out um, this season. But we're really thankful you're here. You can take that card and fill it out, throw it in uh, the boxes on your way out, or you can see um, somebody at the desk outside. And we just love to be able to uh, know who you are, but also as we have Discover classes and things coming up at the church, we'd like to be able to tell you about that so you can find out more about us as well. As we've gone from, uh, from one location to online only to now here and we're finally here, I feel my mental computer starting to settle. You ever been there? Like, Lord, if you don't get us going... I'm going to be fried by the time it's done. So I'm so thankful the Lord has done so much for us in this season. And so as we continue to work as a, as a family, as Amplify family, through this soft launch, and um, I'm thankful for your grace in many ways. We're launching uh, zero to four-year-olds, right, at 1030. We're so thankful for that. All the parents take a, a deep sigh of relief, thank goodness. And the kids have done great. They've done great in the services. But that will be at the 1030 service. And so we'll be able to start slowly ramping that up as we uh, are able to do that safely and um, and as we have volunteers that will staff that. So if you want to jump in with us, we'd love to know that. You can flip your card over and let us know uh, that you would be glad to jump in. So uh, my name is Pastor Philip, and uh, if you're new, um, we're glad you're here. If you're old, we're glad you're here, right? Because <laughs> this is basically us right now. We, we pretty much haven't announced here we are, and um, so... Uh, it's mostly just us, and as people get used to coming back, and, and um, about 60 to 65% of our church have come back uh, and uh, because of COVID and all that kind of stuff, so uh, we're trying to figure out what should we do, and what do we do for next steps, and do we need to uh, figure out an, another service time. and. Anyway, so you just pray about that with us. We're going through this um, 21 days of prayer together. We're starting our first 21 days on this campus. I know you're praying along with us at 9 p.m. We're praying together online, both on Facebook and and, uh, YouTube. But also, um, then on Saturdays here at 10, we're coming and having communion. And and we're just bathing this season in prayer. So I started this series called Dangerous Prayers. And the first week we talked about that dangerous prayers were were ones like, uh, forgive me and change me and humble me. Lord, lead me, and then use me. And then last week, we started into the Lord's Prayer, uh, and we started in Matthew, and we, we were going through how Jesus taught his disciples uh, to pray. But I want to tell you this before we get into the second half. If you missed the first half, you can go back and watch that from last week. And And I want to tell you this, oftentimes when we start uh praying or talking about something like this, we can get so routine in the Lord's prayer that we miss the power and the simplicity of it. But Jesus said to his disciples, you ought to pray like this. So the, the question is, are you fully engaged with a relationship with Christ? Because that all, that's all that really matters when it comes down to it. So this prayer, as we walk through it, really affirms what we believe. When we go to, to pray, we are literally saying uh, to God, we are in relationship with you. And so sometimes we treat prayer almost like you ever done this like a bank account where you just kind of save it all up and when when I finally need it I'll pull I'll pull it out like like God you're just you stay there and then when I need you I'll retrieve you. No, but last week we talked about how when we say our father we are literally indicating he is God, therefore what? I am not. That he is God almighty. That that you are God. And if you believe that he is active and present and, and speaking in your life, you don't really treat him like a genie in a bottle or like a, a, a savings account. You, you treat him as an active father. The, the prayers of Father, our Father, who art in heaven, we talked about the fact that you indicate there's a heaven. I mean, I mean, there is literally a specific heaven. And, and the Bible is very clear on how to get there, that it is faith in Jesus Christ, that it is following him, And the Bible's very clear that while we don't like to admit it, there's also a hell. That people have tried to, to cancel hell and, and erase hell just because we don't like to think about it. But the, the Bible says there's a heaven and there's a hell. And then the Bible goes on to say that, that Father, a hallowed or holy, is your name. And, and, and I'm working um, as if he's going to return very soon. And until then, I'm living like a kingdom man or a kingdom woman with his will in mind and not my own. I don't always get that right. You don't always get that right. But we're working on it. And then the Bible says that we pray on earth as it is in heaven. Did you know that as a follower of Christ, your mission is to let people see heaven on earth through you? I mean, that's an awesome responsibility and kind of scary, isn't it? And we say it like this: We ex- exist as a church to amplify the beauty of Jesus into a broken world. And so we believe that God has a purpose for you, and that you are to live that out under His holy name in front of a broken world. And sometimes, oftentimes, His ways are easy to understand, but very hard to follow. You ever been there? I mean, I mean, we literally pray this, and we and we pray it over and over and over, and it just becomes so simple. But but literally, it's Lord, start. With me. And Jesus modeled how to live a kingdom life. You know, we're dual citizens of sorts. I'm American and I'm proud of it. I've learned more about flagpoles in recent days because we're buying one to put outside. There's ways to do the string outside, inside, there's different diameters, there's different flags that fly on, on different poles, and who knew? Who knew? There's different depths to driving in the ground. I'm very proud to be an American. Um, I also, uh, recently, my grandfather, who uh, served in the military, had a ceremonial flag folded. And so I was looking for a um, a shadow box. You know what a shadow box is? I was going to put it up in my office. And so I went to one of the local stores. And I said, hey, do you have a shadow box? And she said, well, first of all, sir, we closed early because of coronavirus. Oh, Oh, okay. Secondly, that's a seasonal item. I do what? I never got a clear answer on that. So anyway, that's a seasonal item. But I got my hands on one, so we're good to go. I got my hands on out of season. I'm proud of that. But here's the thing. I'm also a citizen of heaven. While I'm a citizen of America, I'm also a citizen of heaven, right? And the Bible tells me that I, I, I as a Christian, should be also proud of that, that I'm literally, that you literally, as you follow Christ, are a child of the king and that his ways become your ways, that I'm in this this faith family, our our Amplify family, that I literally live as a believer. Now, here's, here's where it gets a little bit crazy. Think about this with me. As proud as I am to be part of this country, if America collapsed today, I'd still be a Christian. As awful as that would be, I would still be a Christian. If my Christianity collapsed today, Being American is not going to do me much good in front of God Almighty when I stand in judgment. And so while I am proud of where I am and and where I'm from, I also must remember that I am a child of the king. And that citizenship, uh, a heavenly citizenship, that dual citizenship can be walked uh, uh, gently, right? And so here I am saying, God, help me to be as proud about the kingdom life as I am about my American life. I want to live the way Jesus taught me. And, and he teaches us to pray like this. Would you, would you pray this prayer with me, literally, uh, out loud today? This, then he says, is how you should pray. Pray that with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. You know what I love about the second half of this as we jump into it? What I love is that it reminds me the gospel is not about me or you. The gospel is not about me. Now, here's what's honest. Let's be completely honest. Because we're mostly Amplify Church family right now. People who've, uh, we're an 80-year-old church who has relaunched and relocated and reimagining and and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we'd love to tell you our story if you don't know it. But that's who we are mostly here today. And it's kind of our soft launch. We're trying to figure out all the things. But if we're not careful and if we're completely honest, we'd like to keep it that way. Just us. (laughs) That's dangerous for a church, isn't it? That's dangerous for a church when it starts to become all about who is already there and forgets who is to come. When we have to make really hard decisions to do certain things and we say we love you but we know you're going to make it to heaven, we have to go reach those who don't know Christ. That's a really hard decision, not one that we've made very lightly at all. But one of the greatest enemies of the church is when we make it all about us. That's why the Lord's Prayer, this second half, is so beautiful. Because as we pray things like we did last week, uh, humble me and lead me and use me, literally this, this prayer makes us think about others with the gospel. It makes us serve others. It makes us love others, even the ones that aren't very lovable, especially even if we don't like them. The Bible says still love them. So the last half of the Lord's Prayer is about kingdom living. Jesus had become so frustrated with the people of his time, especially the religious leaders. Not so much the people who don't understand the gospel, but the religious leaders. They had made it difficult to connect with God, that they were were confusing, and they had to go through all these hoops. And literally, you had to go through religious leaders to get to God. We do not believe that at all. You do not have to go through me to get to God. I will guide us and lead us and direct us as a church, but you could go directly to God. It is not confusing or difficult because Jesus said this is how you should pray. Oftentimes, sometimes religious leaders will want to um, control. Jesus said, it's very simple. You ought to pray like this. So, So he says this, the second half as we go today. First, give us today our daily bread. Sounds simple, doesn't it? If you're taking notes, then you'd fill in I will trust you. It's difficult to trust people, isn't it? Do you find it's easier to trust people the older you get or harder? It's harder, isn't it? Because you've been there and done that. You realize, oh, okay. Not everything's quite as it appears. And then we say, not only should you trust, but you should trust an entity, a, a spiritual a God, a Father, a loving Father. But you can't see Him right now. But until you reach heaven, you'll just have to see with your eyes of faith. Man, that trust is difficult. Let me ask you, have you ever been in a situation where you listen to someone else degrade another person only to find out they were really good friends? You, you ever been in one of those situations, like that somebody talks about somebody else, and then you think... Oh, oh! They, they're actually friends. I thought they were complete enemies. I, i as a pastor in my line of work, have heard people uh, at times in front of their families, which just makes me sick, uh, disrespect a former pastor and the work that he felt God called him to do, only to find out they were really good friends. So I take a mental note, and I slowly walk back, you know. But you've had that in your line of work. That's not, that's not just from my line of work. You've heard people not do that. You've heard people say, hey, I got your back. And then when the, when the rubber meets the robe and you really need somebody to have your back, I mean, they used to have your back, but they've moved on. You think, whoa, okay, now, now I know. You know, you've experienced trust in a friend that probably should have just been a friend, not a, a really good friend. And you've made the mistake of maybe in confidence telling them something to find out only later it made it out. To public knowledge. As a as a foster parent, Chris and I've walked along this journey as foster parents. And it's a it's a really great journey, and it tears my heart out by every other day. And uh, one of the things that's been most difficult as a foster parent, as I've learned, is how naive I am to the world's sins. Uh, when you are gonna get a potential child in your home, um They give you a paper, and the paper tells you all the things that have happened to this child so you can prepare your home for what they've experienced and make sure you're prepared. And when I read about a 2- or a 3-year-old, the things I didn't even know happened or existed or would be fathomable within an experience at the hands of, of friends and family, I think to myself, Lord, the older I get and the more I know, the harder it is to trust and yet, this is the beauty of this prayer, because no matter what happens around us, of course, God puts people in your life you can trust. But, but as you get older, you just can, can become cynical. And in this prayer, we are literally saying, Lord, I trust you completely. Lord, Lord I, I trust you. What your word says, if your word says it, then I'm going to do it. When you say love, I'm going to love. When you say stop sinning, then I'm going to stop sinning, even if I don't want to when when you care when you say care for the widow and the orphan and, and i'll take that as seriously as you have called me to take it there was a season of my life where uh, not that long ago when i found myself somewhat broken i was overworked i was tired i had put trust in people i didn't even know i'd done it now uh, i'm going to give you i'm going to tell you a secret do not tell the second service okay you ready There have been times where my wife and I periodically go to get Christian counseling. (gasps) And I have a great marriage and a hot wife, so I'm going (laughs) to do everything I can to keep the peace. But there have been times where we felt like the Lord needed to speak to us and we couldn't communicate um, kindly to each other. So we we injected that with some kind of Christian counselor. Uh, There have been times where she stepped out of the picture and I went by myself. I tell you that because when you come to see me at times I say you ought to go see a Christian counselor and you're so offended, remember I've been there and done that. You ought to not be so offended or so proud. And here's what the Christian counselor said to me. said, you have to figure out how to love all people without giving trust to anyone fully but Christ. It's unfair to even put all of that on your wife. Full trust belongs to Christ if you're a Christ follower. Man, it blew me away because I suddenly realized these certain relationships I'd put all my my trust and all my faith in, man, they're just people. They can't hold up. They shouldn't have to hold up to what I'm asking them to hold up to. They wouldn't be able to put that kind of uh, pressure on me, and I wouldn't have stood up to it. The only one who can handle my full trust and will never, ever fail me is Jesus Christ. That's when I say this prayer begs that you have a relationship with Christ. It really does, because otherwise the prayer doesn't make a whole lot of sense. When you think about sin, when sin entered the world, two people, Adam and Eve, and God gave them just a few parameters, don't, don't go here, don't eat from this, uh, name the animals. And instead of trusting God, Adam and Eve trusted themselves, and it literally came one of the, the original sins, maybe the, the first and the notion that I am better and can figure it out is tempting for us all. So by saying, give us our daily bread, you are literally saying, I will trust you. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, as I've uh, lived here, the church I served at in Ohio was in the ghetto, literally. And uh, it was a beautiful church, a light to a dark world. But it was it was um, very clear that the people were struggling. There was a lot of drug addiction. There was a lot of things. And, and it was something else. And God used us, but wow, it was a lot of learning to do. I live here in a really beautiful, comfortable, blessed fluent, um, generous, uh, gifted community. And there are those of us who struggle, but for the most part, I look around and I think to myself, people here are doing really well. And I thank God for that, but I think we have to be careful not to get so blessed by what God has given us that we start to think, I've made the success and I've made the money and I don't need him. And it goes into, Lord, uh, this, this, uh, this passage goes into Scripture, and it goes into, Matthew 6 goes into forgiveness, and then it goes into fasting. And then he says, uh, do not worry. Anybody in here love to worry? I love to worry like a good movie. I don't know why it is, man. You know what the Bible says? Man, don't worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or your body or what you wear. But why do you worry, the Bible says, about clothes? Like, you literally go to your closet, you look through all of it, you you try to pick out the best thing for the day. Be honest. Let's be complete. you want to be completely honest? How many people are in their second or third outfit? Nobody wants to be, oh, oh, thank you. Down front, we have an honest one. Everybody else will repent uh, at the end of the service. So so we look through things, how does this make me look, how do I feel, I'm worried about what I'm going to look like, and all this kind of stuff. The Bible says it's the pagans, they run after these things. But your father knows what you need. So the Bible says, seek him first, and all these things will be given to you. And then the question becomes what area of your life do you need to trust Christ fully in a way that maybe you don't know the ending to, but you know you can trust him. Here's the second thing it says that we pray, forgive our debts. And, and later, if you're taking notes, it's I am. Forgiven. I just need to acknowledge right now that I need forgiveness. I've been a Christian for 23 years. I still go to God and say, God, I got it wrong today. I need your forgiveness. You know what's shocking? He forgives me every time. He really does. I've been married for 19 years. Lord, I need to be forgiven again. Forgive me. And then I go to my wife, Forgive me. She does almost every time. I've, I've been. I've been a dad for 12 years. That's the hardest one when you have to go ask your kids for forgiveness, you know, but I'm sorry, and I do that, and I've served this church for seven years, and there have been times where I literally stood in front of you and said, as my church family, man, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't get that right. In each of those groups, I can remember times where I have crushed it and nailed it and gotten it right, yeah, and then that nagging feeling creeps in of the time I didn't quite get it right or I embarrassed somebody, or I hurt somebody, or I didn't quite handle myself in the way I wish I had and those nagging feels get me. And I'm reminded, as long as I'm an ever-changing man in Christ, as long as I'm continuing to hopefully get better, then Christ can be trusted to make me who I need to be, just like he can with you. But it starts with me saying, forgive me of my debts. In my first year of marriage, Crystal and I, um, we lived in Pennsylvania. It was a, a terrible place to live, but we uh, we made the best of it. And, uh, and it was a beautiful church that we served, and we rented a room in a, on top of a funeral home. What every newlywed wants to do, you know? Right off the cruise ship, right into the funeral home. So anyway... Uh, <laughs> But I had this affinity with uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers for the time. We would go watch them and the Pirates play, and it, it, was, it was a great season. I recently watched um, as the Pittsburgh Steelers coach uh, opened up preseason practice and hit the players on the line, and he was standing there, and he was talking to the fans who would come to watch them play. And he, he said, with all players standing, he basically went on to say to the fans, we stand with you. We see you. We are you. And then he said, We're going to the center of the field for just a second, and we're going to circle up, and we're going to take a knee. And there we're going to pray for each other to be better men. Man, I love that. Because I'd be right in the middle of that, that circle saying, Lord make me a better man. That's what, that's what this prayer is saying. This prayer is saying, God, forgive me my debts. I don't always get it right. Lord, forgive us. first uh, John, one verse nine. If we are, if we are, um, if we confess our sins that he is faithful and just to forgive us. Uh, last two weeks, I've told you this, um, this, this phrase, this line I got from a guy named Marty Grubbs. And I think I could have said that sentence and we could have gone home. Because you have sent me stuff and told me, hey, that that's the sentence resonated with me. So literally I could have said it, we could have been out of here. But I took another 30 minutes to explain around it. Anyway, and here's what, the, here's what the, um, the sentence is. In prayer, we are agreeing with what God already knows about us. When I go to pray, I am agreeing what God already knows about me. So God, here I am. I'm not going to hold out because I think you don't know. You already know. And thankfully, as I come to him sincerely and humbly, he forgives me. You know, he's never said, what now, maudlin? Not you again. He'd never done that. As I've come to him and asked for forgiveness, he's, he's forgiven me. So the question today becomes, maybe you need to ask the Lord to forgive you, or maybe you need to ask a friend or coworker for forgiveness. Who, who do you need to seek out to ask forgiveness from. What I love about this is as we are con- reminded to, to ask forgiveness, the Lord reminds us over and over as we pray this, I will continue to forgive you. I will save you. I love you. Continue to draw to me, and I have great plans for you. This prayer leads us, Lord, uh, here are our debts and forgive us to those, but also help us to forgive our debtors. Now, here's the thing. Forgiveness is really tricky, and Jesus was asked, how many times should we forgive seven, 70 times seven? I mean, forgiveness does not mean reconciling with who hurt you. It does not mean that you just say, oh, well, whatever, I'll just, I'll just go with whatever happened. But it, but it doesn't even mean that you'll stay in that relationship. Like, think of this for a second. A, a marriage, it kind of paints a different picture, so let me make sure we understand that. Friendship, okay, I'm not so sure that you have to stay in a relationship, but marriage, uh, well, you know, we'd like you to. It's a commitment beforehand in advance, and you've made this covenant with whatever happens, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with this through you. But even in marriage, as much as I hate to admit it, there are times where one is so deeply hurt by the other um, that there's no reconciliation. Jesus even speaks of that. But, but you can truly forgive, and you can let it go, and, um, and you can work um, toward uh, maybe not having the first thing we're done. When somebody comes in my office and they uh, lead with "I'm going to get a divorce," hold on, hold on, just give us, give us a second. Push, push, pause. Just, just wait. I'm going to ask you to pray about it. I'm going to offend you and say we need to both counsel and go to a counselor, and I'm going to hopefully help you reconcile. There are so many times when I'm amazed by what God does in families where he, he walks this couple who hates each other to maybe surviving and eventually thriving. And I love that. I'm amazed by it. Uh, but maybe not everybody. And in, in a friendship, friendship, for example, forgiveness, um, you can forgive, but you might not be able to move the friendship forward. But the trust that you give says, we can rebuild if you'll accept. And it's this invitation to restore. And the church, in my opinion, should be known to be the first to forgive. Man, everybody outside of us is hating on each other. We ought to be the first people to forgive. We ought to be real quick quick to love somebody who doesn't love us. We ought to be real quick to serve somebody who hates us. We ought to be very quick to forgive somebody who would spew venom on us or retaliate after we've been kind of hateful. We ought to be the first to say, I love you. So, I, I've, I've said this many times in my life, um, and I, I can't—I just can't get out of my head that—and it's just saying I don't know who said it, but it's trust God and let it go, or hold on to it and let it grow. Man, I found it to be so true. When when you don't forgive, your soul begins to shrivel. There are people who who um, you ever met those really hateful people when when uh, they just like they're hurting, so they hurt people, and you see them come, and you're like, oh no, <laughs> oh gosh. And you look for ways to get out of the hallway that you're in, but there's nowhere. So you just got to like face them and you know, it's going to hurt rubbing up against them. And it's just like, oh man, in my, in my um, experience, it's been in the office and the home and the school and, and you see them coming and you know, they're hurting, but you don't know what to do about it. And I've decided in life, when I run into people like that, I choose to forgive them because as life goes on, they're going to narrow down who loves them and who will be around them. And it's going to be painful. So I'm going to love them the best I can, and I'm going to choose to forgive them, and I'm also potentially going to avoid them if I can find a door to get out of the hallway. Uh, lastly, the prayer is this, Lord, lead us not to temptation. Now recognize my temptations. Do you recognize them? Jesus led into the desert he's uh, He's tested and while there he's tempted and, and literally confesses our weakness that we pray for relief from testing. And not on an occasion, but we are given temptation. Lord, we pray and pray and pray. Lord, protect me as I'm being tested. Help me to endure. Give me a way out. Help my confessions as I am completely limited. Now, let me ask you this. Let's play a game. Watch this. Let's, let's play the chicken game. You want to play a chicken game? Don't look at this chicken. You know what the chicken says? Game over. How many of you looked at the chicken? Yep. Yep. You know why life feels like that? Because it feels like we're told, don't do, don't do, don't do. And the minute we do, we're like, what is wrong with me? And we have to admit, I'm going to confess, God Almighty, this whole thing, I am weak, and I need you, and I know where Satan gets me. Think for a second. If Satan was going to attack you today, you know where he's going to attack you at, don't you? You should know. You know where he's going to get you. And I guarantee you that when you step back and think, you will know exactly what it's going to be. So you pray, pray, pray. Uh, here's, here's where I close with you today. Um, I want to ask you a few questions, and here's, here's what they are. The first question is this it may apply to somebody in this room. Um, have you literally accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I mean, he's, he's Savior, He's Lord. He's leading your life. You you could potentially have come to this church for a long time and never said, Jesus, I want you as Lord. And so today the prayer would be, Lord, become my Savior, literally. Save me. I put my trust in you. Now lead me. At the end of the service, uh, a couple of things. One, you can take that card and you can fill it out and say, I I accepted Christ today. And you can throw it in a box. You can take it out to the desk. Or you can just come give it to me. I just want to pray with you. We want to help you how to walk through uh, this faith journey. So that might be your prayer today. Now, I'm going to pray over you in just a moment, and and, um, and it will be that like, Lord. I'm not going to keep score anymore. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to be hateful. I'm not. I just need you to feel me, and so I need your forgiveness. And He will forgive you. He's faithful to do that. Man, some of you guys, um, you've been a follower of Christ for a long time, but you know. Potentially, even within this room, but maybe at the dinner table today or at work, there's somebody that has not um, either cheated you right or you have not treated them right. And there's a rift, and you know you have to take care of it. And the link of being forgiven and forgiving is strongly tied. So you say, Lord, if you show me and you give me the opportunity, I'm going to follow you and I'm going I'm to ask for forgiveness. Lord, I'm going to pray that you don't let my heart get bitter, but that I'm going to let it go and trust you. And you use me for your kingdom's work. Let me pray for you today. Lord, I love you today. There are those today who would say, God, this is my first time um, actually asking you to be my savior. I may have sat in church for a long time. I may have known about Jesus, but now I want a relationship with him. God, you hear those prayers. We've all been there some of us sooner, some of us a long time ago, and yet you have been so faithful to answer when we call. So God, for those who will fill a car today, those who will come and ask for prayer, Lord, I pray that you would hear our cries and answer our prayers. Lord, for those who will walk out today, they know the person they've got to reconcile with. Man, it's tough. It takes courage, but that's a Christ follower. We are following you so, Lord, help us, God. And as we come back next week, as we uh, go through this week, as you hear our prayers as a church and as you hears our, hear our prayers as, as people on Saturday and as we take communion and as we remember you, Lord, as we come back next Sunday, God, may it be that we are a freed-up people who have forgiven and are thankful that we have been forgiven. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for this beautiful prayer. Lord, thank you that we are part of this beautiful country. Lord, thank you that we are part of this beautiful faith family. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. 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 We love you so much. I'm going to ask you to do me one favor as you leave today. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and exit your way out of the building so that we can sanitize for the second service because I went too long. All right? Thanks. Great. Love you.